Let's look together in the Word of God. Acts chapter 24. I had a chance to go on vacation this past week, and I didn't have a chance to worship but with you uh, via Easter celebration service. We were uh, worshiping as a whole family at Edisto Baptist, and it was uniquely different. And I, I just think God is all the here the different things that people are talking about our family, faith family. Thank you for being our faith family together. Uh, we, we're not perfect, but we're real, and we love each other. And we thank God for one another. And those who are still at home that are still homebound, we're thankful for those. But today's sermon title is very, uh, it's coming from a place that I'm actually very much rested this week. I realized I was getting on the edge of burnout. And you know, ever, anybody ever been there emotionally to the place that I don't, I don't care? Somebody says, Pastor, you're burning your candle at both ends. How many of y'all have told me, Pastor, you're looking tired? And I'm like, thanks, that makes me feel a whole lot better, you know? Uh, so... Um, have you ever been there where you're just emotionally, you're tanking, whether it's in relationship, in fellowship, financially, wherever you are, just, you just, I'm at, I'm at smoking in. I can't make it anymore. Raise your hand. Let's see. Listen, your pastor's raising his hand. And it took some, actually some listening this week, had some counsel from some, thank God for the, for uh, some things that are on video. Rick Warren's been a big help in my life. Charles Stanley's been a big help in my life and um, never sat down and had a cup of coffee with either one of those men. I'll have all eternity in heaven to speak with them. But they've been very helpful in their ministry to pastors and to people like me. So um, talking about it is not something that I like to do. Y'all know I'm not a very emotional guy. Those emotions don't come up because guys don't talk about stuff like that, right? We just suck it up and move on. But let me tell you, it's real. And one of the number one prescriptions for your uh, burnout is rest. And I think I slept about five out of the six or seven days we were down there. So thank you for, as a faith family, I know being out of the pulpit, I don't like to leave this place. I love to preach, but, but time to get away is actually time to rest and restore. And uh, I didn't see the beach much. It was cool weather, windows were up, and we rested very well this week. So thank you on behalf of our family. And uh, we just, it was just a great time to get away. Sunday, somebody, somebody asked me, well, well, I can't believe you're not preaching. Just preach Sunday and then go down after that. Well, do you know who the bride of Christ is? Who's the bride of Christ? Church. We are the bride of Christ. Do you know who my bride is? Wendy. She's sitting right over here. Now, if I put my love for Christ's wife in place of the love for my wife, what's going to happen? We're going to have a wrong affair, aren't we? We're going to have a wrong situation. Would you agree? If I love you, uh, listen, I do love you, by the way. But if I put the, his wife ahead of my wife, what's going to happen? I won't have my wife, right? And then therefore, his wife will kick me out, right? <laughs> because I'll get up in divorce. So I want you to understand, I'll put God first. Yes, my relationship is first with God. And then it's second with my wife and family. And then it's the faith family. You have each other. We have each other. We love each other. We are family. But if we get our priorities out of whack, we'll mess up the relationship we have with each other and with our personal family. So let me tell you, it was a time of re refresh, recharge, and and Easter was an important day. It is. And, and we were able to celebrate as a complete family. And Wendy and I were able to renew our vows. We, we missed, you know, in ministry, you just miss things. 20 years passed, 25 years passed, 30 years passed. And we said, we're going to renew our vows one of these days. Well, we're going to be dead before we do it. So we went ahead and did it on our 31st and a half. We'll be 32 years this November. We went ahead and renewed our vows. And it was special. So, um, so I want you to know, I hope. Whether you agree with me or not, that's, I still have my opinion, and that's what I'm living by. Uh, she's, after God, she's my number one priority, and uh, I do love her. So, uh, 
And we were able to have that ceremony. Alex, our oldest son, was able to perform the ceremony. Kids were in attendance, some sweet words of exchange. Kenzie and the kids, Bowen and Alex, shared um, funny stories, crazy stories through the years that we were able to celebrate together with our grandkids and kids. And so just thank you. I'll put that up front. Chapter 24, let's get into proper placement of human hope. Now, after five days, Ananias the high priest came down with the elders in a certain order. Really, he's a lawyer named Tertullus. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. Paul, as you know, if you haven't been here, has been arrested. Paul has been taken down by the commander of the Roman army there. He has 200 plus soldiers that have taken him down. He's got foot soldiers, spearmen, and horsemen taking Paul in because the Jews are trying to tear him apart. They're trying to kill him and pull him limb from limb, literally. Verse 2, and when he called up, Tertullius began his accusation against Paul, saying this, Seeing through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight, O great Felix. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thanks, thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. What do you hear from that? I told you if you were in the Bible study this morning, blah, 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 blah. This is piety coming from a unbelieving lawyer representing the unbelieving religious rulers, trying to give his piety and his, uh, his polite gestures to Felix, who was a local governor, who, by the way, was a former slave, was promoted to be a governor, who is married to a Jew who's technically not his wife because he took her from another man, and they're giving all this courtesy. Instead of saying, you are living with a woman that's not your wife, they're saying, oh, most noble Felix. And they're bowing to him and giving these niceties. And here's the accusation, verse 5. We have found this man. This man's a plague. And I said this morning, they called Paul COVID-19. Could you imagine that? This man's COVID-19. He kills everybody. They called him a plague a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander, Lysias, came by and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. So you see the platitudes, the false accusations against Paul, and even his accusers are not there. And also the commanding officer is not there that arrest him. So there's really no one to stand in jeopardy. Paul's not in jeopardy of actually having a fair trial because the Romans had to have like we do today. You have a witness and a counter witness. Witness, prosecutor, and defense. What's going to go on? Watch verse 10. And then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Because you may ascertain that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to Jerusalem to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with anyone nor inciting the crowd either in the synagogues or in the city, nor can they prove the things of which they now accuse me. 
But this I confess, here's the confession, Paul's going to make a true confession. But this I confess to you, that according to the way which they call a sect, so I worship the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and all things in the prophets. I have hope in God, which they themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and of the unjust. This being so, I myself also always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms and offerings to my nation, in the midst of which some Jews from Asia found me purified in the temple, neither with a mob nor with a tumult. They ought to have been here before you to object if they had anything against me, or else let those who are here themselves say if they found any wrongdoing in me while I stood before the council, unless... Here's the one thing. Here's the wrongdoing he might have done. Unless it is for this one statement which I cried out standing among them concerning the resurrection of the dead, I am being judged by you this day. You remember last week when we read, uh, week before last, we read, excuse me, three weeks ago, we read Paul was uh, before the council and they had half Pharisees, half Sadducees. The Pharisees believe they're in the resurrection. The Pharisees believe in angels. The Pharisees believe in that God is still active in this world. And the Sadducees, we said they're sad, you see, because they believe none of this. They believe you live and then you die. You turn to dirt. That's it. There's no supernatural. There's no miracles. They just believe no resurrection. You live and you die. And Paul brought up the resurrection. It split the council and they were at each other fighting each other instead of fighting against Paul. Paul said, this might be the only thing that caused the disturbance that I brought up, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 22. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, that's the way of Jesus Christ, he adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias, the commander, comes down, I will make a decision on your case. So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid or became afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent him more often. He sent for him more often. And conversed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix. And Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Let's, re let's pray. Father God, as we uh, read your word, we pray a blessing over it. Because Lord, we know this is a story of every person in this room today. Some are sold out believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, on fire for you, wanting to, to live for you. And will take every single opportunity to say a good word about Jesus and the resurrection. There's others who here that are religious, Lord, and, and as long as it's going their way, as long as it's convenient, as long as it tastes good, feels good, looks good, uh, Father, they'll, they'll be okay. They'll be good. But, Lord, let one thing cross them up, and they'll get as contrary, Lord, as a, a pig in briars. We know today that we stand in your presence, and we know that we have your word to guide us. Father, whether we're on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ, whether we're crossways with you, or Lord, whether someone's here that's not a Christian today, 
And they're hearing these words saying, yeah, I feel that way. I feel afraid like Felix did. And I feel like there's got to be a more convenient time, one day when that's going to happen. Father, today is the day of salvation according to the scriptures. We pray that your word will go out, go forth in power and in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to your notes if you would. I want to see, show you some things in the notes that God really showed me in the scripture that we as a people must be about the word of God. When we walk, when we talk about our hope in Jesus, we speak about having a no-so hope. It's not a, I hope I get this for Christmas, or I hope I get this for my birthday, or I hope I get this job, or I hope I get that promotion. You'll see people spend their lives hoping for random things, don't we? You ever been there? Are you hoping for something right now? I told you I've been hoping for a Porsche for a long time. And I've seen how much it costs to get the spark plugs changed and the oil changed and all those want-tos are just starting to change. My, now I want an old Ford truck. You know what I'm saying? My hope so or wanter is turning. Some hope for marriage, some hope for children, some hope for great riches, and the list continues. Just after our Easter celebrations, we have the no-so hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Wow, five of you are saved. God bless you, all five of you that are saved. The rest of you, you need to listen to today's sermon, okay? Let, let me read that statement again. Just after Easter celebrations, and Easter basically is Resurrection Sunday, Jesus Christ, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. Amen. Do you believe that to be true? Amen. So just after the Easter celebration, we celebrate why? We have the no-so hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Is that true for you? It's true for me. Praise God. We serve a risen Savior. Think about today. If we are all to die right now, this is just, just all something happening. Somebody put cyanide in the, in the, if you can do that, in the air system, and we breathe it in. Take a deep breath, everybody, and we're all dead. One second after we die, where are you? You're going to wake up somewhere. And if you're a Christian, you're going to wake up in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. Some of you are going to die and go to the place of torment because you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're, if you died right now, you would be in the place of torment. You'd be separated from God. You would have full knowledge of hearing the gospel that you must be born again. You'd have the full knowledge of Easter celebration service. You'd have a full knowledge of knowing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. We take that for granted sometimes that everybody in our neighborhood knows that. Not everyone in your neighborhood knows that Jesus Christ died for them. Even here in America, even here in South Carolina, there are people who do not know that Jesus Christ died for them. You know why they don't know? Because you haven't told them, and I haven't told them. It is our responsibility to be on mission where we live, and then after where we live, then we take off and go there. Until we do it here, we can't go there. Would that be true? We must be on mission. You say, Pastor, that's for, that's for preachers and missionaries. That's what you are called to be. Go make disciples of all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I've taught you. How many of you actually have been here through the study of Acts for the most part? How many of you, it's been over a year that we've actually been teaching this, this series. Anybody? Who's heard most of them, you think? Who's heard all of them? Anybody heard all of them? Who's heard most of them? Can you turn back around and reteach this, this information? The answer is yes, you can. Even if you can't, you can read it. I'm reading off notes up here as well. And now we even put them in Spanish. So listen, what excuse do you have? You want them in German? We'll try to find a way. French? We'll try to find a way. The Word of God must go forth, and we are the carriers of the Word of God. We are the mouthpiece for Jesus Christ. His Word speaks, but it speaks obviously through us when we go and say, can I share with you about the man I know? His name is Jesus. 
Oh, we told you Easter should be the greatest time of celebration. Why is it, it always confuses me, why is it that Easter Sunday, every lost person will come to church? We call them CEOs. Y'all know that, right? If you come to church, Christian, uh, Christmas, Easter, and other special occasions, the CEOs that are out there, why is it they won't come back the Sunday after Easter? You know why? You say, well, the preaching wasn't any good. And the music wasn't any good. And they didn't like children's church. And their youth didn't feel like they were welcome because they just felt like they were weird. Well, if it's your first visit, everybody feels weird, just for the record, right? Don't parent by what your teenagers want, parents. You need to grow up. Grandparents, quit conceding to the wants and the cries of your little bitty teenager. I don't want this. I want this. I don't want this. You go, okay, baby, whatever you want. And you're growing up to actually make prisoners of your own children. Because if you don't have authority in your life when you're little, you won't accept authority when you get older. Amen? The only authority you accept is behind iron bars, looking out saying, I wish I would have done something different. That's what every country music song is written for. Isn't it? Isn't it? And who gets to blame every single time? It was grandma. Let's do the songs. But you know who's responsible? Grandpa. Daddy. The men in their lives, that's responsibility that we have. We are the primary spiritual leaders of our families and of our churches. If you don't like that, then take it up with God. And in our culture today, women say we're equal to men. No, you're not. Men and women are completely different. We're not equal when it comes to actually our bodies. We're equal, obviously, when it comes to the cross. Salvation, we're right there together. Foot of the cross, balanced, beamed at the cross. Just like the, the bar that goes across the cross, that's us. Men and women, equal. But God made us different. God made men, men. He made women, women. How stupid can it be in our society today when they, we have people, we had people trying to enroll their four-year-old in our school and said, I said, well, you didn't put it if it's a boy or a girl. They said, we want them to decide. The old me wanted to come across the table and say, are you fully, what is wrong with you? <clears throat> you want your child, a four-year-old, to decide if they're a boy or a girl? I said, we, and I said this, and I probably shouldn't have said this. I said, we have nurses that always are working in the, in the room, uh, down, down in the health room, and uh, the nurses can take your child in the bathroom and tell you within five seconds if you have a boy or girl. That offended them greatly. Can you imagine? There's an old, not politically correct preacher that you're sitting in front of, and you're going to tell me that you want your child to decide if they're a boy or a girl. How stupid can you be? Y'all don't want to say amen because your boss might be watching the, the video, right? I would say that, but you know, I'd lose my job if I said that and where I work. Well, how about losing your job for Jesus? My God, listen, he said he shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Quit hanging on whatever your political correct job is and start hanging on the Jesus Christ that leads us and said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the God that we serve. Pastor, you just can't talk like that where I work. You can speak the truth. You speak the truth in love. If we have people that listen, if you come from a homosexual background, any kind of background, you're welcome to come to our church. We will offend you with the word of God because the word of God offends me. I'm a heterosexual straight pastor who's in love with his wife for 30 plus years and the word of God still offends me only when I sin. When God puts his finger on something, says, Clint, fix that, it offends me. And brother and sister, if you're here today, or friend, if you're here today, and God is speaking to you, and it offends you, if it's me that offends you, I'm sorry. But if it's the word of God that offends you, get over yourself and listen to God. 
because when you die, we're going to see this. Paul talks about the judgment. And God puts his finger on your sin because you say, well, I don't like it that way. I like it this way. That's the way it used to be in churches. Whoever had the biggest complaint, that's who got their way in the church. I thank God that Town Creek is not that way. There is not one family unit that's running this church. There's no mafia bosses in the church any longer. Any longer. When I got here, I told it in, uh, uh, this morning, I, I shared, as I taught in the Bible class, Catalyst, there was one man that would catch me every Sunday. My wife knows who it is. Preacher, there's some people upset with you. Well, who is it? Because I really don't want anybody upset with me. I'm a new pastor, right? I just can't tell you. Then I said, I just don't care. If you can't fight ghosts, is that true? And you can't fight, the, and ghosts aren't real, by the way, if you're in here. There's no such thing as a ghost except for the Holy Ghost. Ghosts aren't real. But you can't fight phantoms. Here's the deal. We have eternal life. Paul, he was arrested and taken under heavy guard to see the governor, Felix, little G governor. God had and still has so many ways to protect his children, does he not? Paul should have been ripped apart, but yet the Roman commander came in and dispersed the crowd. And I'm sure, listen, Roman soldiers... They hated the Jews because the Jews were troublemakers. And the Romans didn't want to be there no more than the, the political people wanted the soldiers there. The soldiers wanted to be home back in Rome. That's where I'm from. I want to go back home. They were like we were. They actually were sent out. How many of you guys actually are in the military, ladies or men in the military? Anybody ever been deployed? Six-month deployments is the worst thing on the planet. We go to, out to sea for six months in the Navy. Guys in submarines and the big boomers, they go to the bottom of the ocean for six months or more. Anybody interested? Anybody want to be recruited today? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, does it? When we get deployed, it's one of the most painful things for our family, and it's one of the most painful things, obviously, for us being away from our families. We set sail for 75 days during the first Gulf War off the coast of West Africa. There was another war happening. Y'all, listen, 75 days at sea will drive anybody crazy. We ran out of food. We had rice, and the men who brought their fishing tackle were catching mahi-mahi off the rear of the ship, and the Filipino men who were cooking would cut up the mahi-mahi. The We'd have mahi-mahi and rice for breakfast, mahi-mahi and rice for lunch if you wanted it, and mahi-mahi and rice for supper if you wanted it. Does anybody want to know why I hate white rice today? You've guessed it. Wendy and I went to a place called the Old Post Office to eat in uh, Edisto, we just picked a random restaurant. There's not many choices. Went there. And one of the specials was mahi, mahi. I was like, ugh, anything, I won't even eat that if it's free, right? When I hear those words, it's hard for me to even say those words together. I'd like for you to go to Psalm 23. So what I'm trying to do with one hand since Matt messed up my microphone. I can't use both hands in my Bible. Psalm 23, go there with me. And this is, unfortunately, this scripture is only used during funerals most of the time. But I want you to see Paul. Think about, did Paul know the Psalms? Yes, he did. Did Paul know the Old Testament? Yes, he did. He knew the law. He knew the prophets. He knew. Listen, Paul was a student of the Word of God. And I can't help to think whenever Paul was being arrested, he's being ripped, out, ripped apart. People trying to beat him and punish him. That these things have to come back to mind. That the Lord called me. God told me I'm not finished. God told me I have a job to do. And this promise... Let's read what the psalmist says together. Follow with me. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. Praise God. Amen, amen, and amen. Paul knew this, that this was a promise from King David because the Holy Spirit had anointed him to write this word. And Paul knew that his life was eternal because he even preached it in his very defense. Paul was arrested and taken under heavy guard to see the governor. God had and still has so many ways to protect his children. Guys, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you today, we serve the same God. And if God's got a mission for you to do, God's going to bring about protection. We hear stories from missionaries on the field, how when the enemies come to attack them and they're afraid, they're praying, dear God, protect us. We have no means of protection. That the enemy flees away. And later, if you've heard the stories, especially from the continent of Africa, that whenever the enemy is either captured or comes to Christ, they said, that night we come to kill you. But there was a whole host of army standing behind your hut or by the place that you're staying. And they were so fearful that we were so fearful we ran away. Have you heard the stories? of God's protection, have you actually experienced it yourself? How God has protected you when that should have been your car wreck, when that should have been your accident at work, that should have been your thing that actually should have happened because we always do this. If I'd been five minutes earlier, five minutes late, whatever it might be, God is protecting those he loves. But God also allows for, did you see the rain yesterday? Anybody complain about the pollen this week? We got back and our cars were covered just yellow. I thought some of the church members would stop by and wash my car for me, but it didn't happen. I'm just kidding. I don't ever do I never do that. Our grass needed to be cut. Leaves were everywhere. I was like, good grief. And coming from the beach, something at the beach was this goodness. Now, you see my arms. I don't have leprosy, but that's noceums that bit me. I'm not dying of any kind of weird disease. It's just those little noceums at the beach that got me. But also, something was down there, allergies. Wendy was crying every day, and not because of anything, just because of allergies, and and uh, I just couldn't breathe, and we get back, and you think the beach, everything would be open air and nice weather. Well, it was rough this week. And I, nobody told me this morning, I still had pollen coming out of my eyes, and nobody said, Pastor, you got a little something right there. Thank you all for everyone who talked to me during fellowship and this morning. Nobody told me. Thanks. A friend will always tell you if you got something hanging out of this area, right? <laughs> it wasn't bed sleep. It was pollen coming out of my eyes because I cut grass. And I said, I got back, and Wendy said, the grass really needs to be cut. And I'm like, I ain't cutting no grass. I'm sick of this. I'm, I'm, ready. I'm coming off vacation, and I was, I was going to go wet in my front yard. You don't cut wet grass, I know. But y'all have seen my grass. You'll understand what I'm saying. Everybody drives on my front yard and parks, so that's, that's why we don't care about the grass. But I need to cut it. I said, Lord, I am not. I'm sitting on the couch. Wendy left to go do some errands, and I said, I am not cutting that grass. I need to get it and wet it with the hose and then cut it. I don't care what it does to my lawnmower today. I just don't care. And then all of a sudden it started out, and I saw little trickles of rain. I said, I better get out of there before it rains. It's supposed to rain. And I started cutting grass, and I'm like, it really just started. I mean, time I made the first stripe, the rain started coming. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. I didn't have to get the hose out. You already wet the lawn for me. I'm cutting grass. And then all of a sudden, that second level, if you were here in Aiken, it just came in. Did y'all get it? The second wave, it was just like, you couldn't see through the, And I'm cutting grass through that. And the neighbor pulls up, runs in, and it's a young teenage boy. He says, 
Mr. Glitt, are you okay? I'm good. Why are you cutting grass in the rain? And of course, I was like, I like it. No dust, no pollen, except we came up, obviously. And, uh, but did you thank God for the pollen? Because the pollen's going to make the trees ready. The pollen's going to make the flowers. Have you seen the colors of the azaleas? Did you see them when you drove in this morning? We don't have many, but those pink azaleas. God is good. He calls it the rain on the just and the unjust. Did he not? He showed his hand. He showed his hand at the ocean. I put a picture up on Facebook. I'm not one of those who rubs your face in. Aha, I'm at the beach and you're not. But I wanted to share that picture. There was a beautiful song I was going through, celebrating with God, and that sunrise, everyone just, boop, the sun would come up, just like he said it would. Did you know the sun came up this morning? You know why? Because God said so. My grandson reminded me, he said, Papa, you see where the ocean comes up, There's where it stops? You told me last year that God told the ocean where to stop. It can't come any further. Unless there's a storm, it can't come any further. <clears throat> Is that true? Have you read the book of Job? God says, who told the ocean how far it can go? Who put the breakers on the ocean? Who told it to stop right here? You know who did? The God that you serve, you serve, you serve, you serve. The God that died on the cross, the one that you serve, the one that died for us on the cross. He's the one that made the oceans so beautiful for us to enjoy. He's the one that made the sunrise. He told the sun, he said, on day four, you rule over the day. Moon, you rule over the night. And guess what the sun does? Good morning, everybody. I'm here to rule over the day, and I'll be here for most of the day. I'll be setting about 7.45, right? And what does the moon do? Good evening. It's, it's afternoon. It's like the moon brings out the jazz. I, can, I just envisioned the creation, just the moon coming up with that bright, energetic music, and then the moon just saying, okay, let's relax, and it's evening time. And now it's night. I'll be watching over you over tonight because God told me to back in the day. Right? You ever think about that of creation? Everything in creation is still doing what it was told to do the day it was made to do it, except you and me. <clears throat> We're the only thing that's disobeyed God. It's amazing and it's crazy. Let's read through the notes really quick. Paul had many false allegations levied against him by the religious leadership. Anybody ever levied a false allegation against you? He said, she said. The worst kind of damage we can do to one another, isn't it? Their hope... This false allegations, their hope was to have him condemned. Did you know this amazing that Jesus said in John 3, 16, 17, 18, 19, he didn't come to the world to condemn you, but he came to give you life. The only people that really come to condemn you is Satan, his minions, and his people. Followers of, of no way are the ones who want to condemn you. The unbelieving Jews turned against Paul and declared the false allegations and name-calling to be accurate. They lied they lied and hoped to be accepted by the religious leadership and condemned Paul in the process. They wanted to actually jockey for positions. Hey, if I lie for you, will you give me a position? People are still doing that today. And this is what happened in their time. Paul advocated for himself. He addressed Felix and responded to the words his accuser said. He confronted them and denied their words as false. Paul spoke with, here's how we should speak today. How does he speak? He spoke with truth. You and I, when we speak, we should speak in truth. Even if it gets us in trouble, even if it brings us to the place that we actually are confronted with losing our jobs or our, our relationship if we're not married or whatever it might be, our business deal, if we speak the truth. Hey, can you cut the corner? Let's just don't report this amount of money. Let's say it was this amount of money. Do you know what happened in the early church when that happened? 
when people actually sold a product and brought it to the church and said, this is the money we made off the land sale, and they made a deal with each other not to tell the, disclose the whole price of the husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira. You remember the story? They both, a few minutes apart, dropped dead before Peter because they had lied to the Holy Spirit. Don't be a person who's a liar. No one loves a liar. Satan is the father of lies, and you're being much like him when you sin and lie. Well, Paul confessed to being a follower of the way and worshiping the God of his fathers. He said, I, yeah, if I'm guilty of anything, I'm guilty of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Did Felix and these men know Paul before this time? The answer is yes. Remember, he got his letters of destruction. He wanted to destroy the church. He'll tell us in other epistles that we read, I went out to destroy them. I went out to kill everybody, put down this way, and now I am being called a ringleader of the way. They're calling me a leader of people who follow Jesus. What kind of compliment would that be? Wouldn't you love to have that compliment? That somebody calls you, oh, here comes the ringleader of the Jesus group. That'd be an awesome compliment, right? How about the name Christian? You know, that was not a very good term of endearment. They're saying they were little Christ. Oh, here comes a little Christian. Here comes a little Jesus. So don't use the word Christian lightly. It's a, it's a term of endearment as well. Not the definition America has today or North America has. It's a low, bed, a low budget definition we use today. We, we misuse it like anything. I'm a Christian too. Grandma, I, went to, I was raised, and when we interview people, I was always raised in the church. So was the carpet, right? It ain't going to heaven. Is that true? I don't care how long you come to church. I don't care how many pins you used to get back in the Sunday school day of perfect attendance. Y'all, we used to give perfect attendance pins. Who got them in the Baptist church? Who got perfect attendance? Let me see. Janelle, I bet you got 25 of them, didn't you? Did you get, you get the whole string hanging all the way down? Or the double badge? Did you ever double up? Anybody else get them? Who else got them? Y'all, we gave out little metal pins saying that what your perfect attendance was. You'd wear it like this, you'd, and you'd walk like this. That's the way you walk around church. Oh, how many years you got perfect attendance? Five. Oh, that's nice. Look at mine. Mine's golden. I got 10, right? We would do things like crazy like that in the church to, to, to actually make people accept us or, or just say we were there. We wanted people to come to church. But what's really the Great Commission is to go, is it not? Because people sit in church their whole life, and some of you sit in church your whole life, and you would complain if Jesus was speaking this morning. You would complain like if he brought manna to the table. You'd say, I don't like that. It ain't salty enough. Brothers and sisters, you need to get over yourself and come to Jesus. Come to him just as you are. Put all your history down. Put all your ways down and come to him and say, Lord, I'm not perfect. Because guess what? You're not perfect. We see you. We hear you. Isn't that true? You ever sit with somebody at church? Have you ever sat with somebody at church that grumbled the whole time during church? Y'all hadn't? I have. I've sat in this church when other preachers have preached, listen, and hear people talk to the preacher in a very disparaging way. Yeah, in this church, in this building. Some of you look at me like, oh, not me, I'm so pious. Some of you thought it, right? And what did we say when we started? God hears what? Everything, your thoughts, your words. He knows everything. Paul knew this. Do you think Paul had an advantage standing before Felix? If you knew God was standing right here, right? King Jesus is right here, and somebody challenged you to a spiritual fight, and he says, go ahead, speak, I'll be with you. I'll put the words in your mouth. You just, you just open your mouth, I'll speak for you. Anybody ready to take that fight? Raise your hand if you're ready to take that fight. 
All of you ain't raising your hand because you know what I'm about to say. He's already commanded you to do that, and he's already told you to make disciples, and he's already told you what to do, and he's already told you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He told the early disciples, hey, you stand up, don't prepare, you just get ready to speak. And whenever you speak, as, you're, as long as you're right with me, I'm going to put the words in your mouth and they can't stand against you. Brothers and sisters, listen to me today. This is what he's calling you and me to do as Christians, to be a mouthpiece for him, to stand like Paul and preach with the full confidence saying, if you kill me, I'm in the presence of the Lord. If you strike me, he'll raise me back up. But listen, one thing you can't do is shut my mouth. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Paul could have been pleading, I'm a Roman citizen. I have my rights. I've been violated. Listen, they come to the place and arrested me wrongfully. They were going to beat me before I said something. I have my rights. I want to sue it. I want the U.S. government to fix it. That's how we sound today. Like a bunch of big, fat babies. You ever, you ever said that when you were kids? Stop being a big, fat baby. Anybody ever say that? Just, maybe it was just a Pauline thing. Big fat baby. I don't know why you had to be fat, but that, I guess fat babies are prettier. Church, today, we have got to quit being those people. We've got to quit waiting on the government and waiting on other people to plead our case because Christ has pled our case on the cross. It is finished, he said, on the cross. What was finished? Everything necessary for salvation, everything necessary for living this Christian life, everything was finished that day. It's by faith that we trust him. And we put our faith in him and we walk with him day by day. Paul expressed his hope was in God alone. He spoke with clarity on his belief in the resurrection. Without the resurrection, we have nothing. Without the resurrection, we have a dead Jesus who died on the cross as a humble man. But then come Sunday morning, whoo, we got a savior on our hands, don't we? We have someone who actually overcome death and the grave and hell. We have someone who has the key to eternal life. We have someone who has got a free gift walking around like this. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That should have been an amen right there. That's Romans 10, 13. Look for yourself. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, pastor, pray for my uncle. Take him the gift. For the wages of sin, you know what your gift is if you're not a Christian today. For the wages of your sin is death. That's, that's what the Bible says, Romans 6, 23. Look for yourself. You're going to die and you're going to go straight to hell. Did you know that? Come on, did you know that, Christian? But, there's a comma and a but, right? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're walking around, as it were, a gift in your hand, walking around. Do you want the gift? Every time someone says, pray for my lost loved one, I'm like, are you presenting them with the gift? Here's the gift. Well, pastor, it's hardest to talk to family about Jesus. Only because you make it so. Because you care about what they're going to say negatively to you. Get on my face with the Jesus stuff. Well, this is a family reunion. I'm going to eat like you're going to eat, and you're going to hear me if you sit next to me. All right? If you come into me, I'm going to offer you the gift. And as soon as someone takes that gift, guess what? I got another gift ready for you, right? Pray for my coworker. What should we do, church? Come on. Give them, the, oh, y'all gotta say, give them the gift. What you gonna do with it? What are you gonna do? Give them the gift. I got that crazy brother who's far from God. What am I supposed to do? Give him the gift. Over and over and over. What are we supposed to do? Give him the gift. And we know that we can't give it. We know that Jesus is the gift. Eternal life is the gift through Jesus Christ, but we present it. 
Look at with, with me at Philippians. And y'all, my watch broke, so if y'all want me to actually do better, I gotta buy another watch, so, uh, and I didn't bring my phone, so. What time is it? I don't even know what time it is. I'm lost today. What time is it, Wendy? 11.50, boy, that's perfect timing, Kenzie. Let's read Philippians 3, 7, 11. I'll give you the rest of the fill-ins and you can read the rest of the scripture for yourself. Philippians 3, Paul told about his resurrection. Watch what he says again to the church at Philippi. Philippians 3, 7, when you're there, say amen. Y'all beat the pastor there again because I got one hand <clears throat> turn with. All right, Philippians 3, 7, let's begin. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count all those things as what? Rubbish. He says, that's trash. My PhD, my riches, my house, everything I used to have, I count it as rubbish compared to what? That I might gain Christ. What? To get some more powerful. And be, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through what? Faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith. Brothers and sisters, you can't get it anyway. It's by faith. You just got to trust him. You, like Felix is standing by, he couldn't, he was fearful. He couldn't make that decision. He couldn't put his faith in a savior that he knew could or could not save him. He knew he's doing things, but he just couldn't. I have to give up my governorship. If Rome hears that I become a follower of the way, what's going to happen to me? And by the way, you'll find out in two years, he got arrested and kicked out of his title and put back in jail. He didn't know what was coming. And sometimes God has to bring the hard things. He has to bring the pain, doesn't he? The train pain, the pain train to you. Watch what Paul says this, verse 10 that I may know him, who's him in this case? Christ Jesus, that I may know him, Christ Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Do you think Paul had the resurrection on his mind? Did you say, listen, he said everything earthly, everything worldly, I put that stuff behind me, I count it as, I'll take it to the dump. As soon as the dump opens tomorrow, put it back in my truck and take it to the dump compared to knowing Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection. What power is in the resurrection? My brothers and my sisters, listen today. Paul also says in Romans 1, 16, 17, right? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And he goes on to say, listen, I'm not ashamed of that because there's power there. How many of you would actually describe your Christian life today as having the power of God day by day. When you talk to someone, you feel the power in the presence of God. When you speak about the gospel, you speak with holy confidence and boldness that you know that this is the word of God. Thus saith the word of God, you know this is true, therefore you won't back down from what you're saying. You know this Bible that you hold in your hand, it is the word of God, the living word of God. You won't back down someone says, oh, it's full of errors. And by the way, if you come across a foolish person that says it's full of errors, hand it to them and say, show me five. Show me one. There's things that seem to be contradictions until you read the rest of the scripture. Scripture always complements scripture. Our God is holy. We don't serve a stupid God. Is that true? He's all wise, all knowing. 
the sun bows to him, the ocean bows to him, the wind and the waves, they bow to him. Even when his disciples on the Sea of Galilee said, what kind of manner of man is this, that even the winds and the waves obey him? Does that get you excited about the God that we preach about each Sunday? I don't want to give you some homily so you just feel comfortable and say, what a great day of love. I want you to be supercharged, plug into the power source, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the power source. When I belong in there, I can't help but be energized to go tell somebody about Jesus. You and I must be the same way. You say, Pastor, that's not my nature. Okay. Plug in and find out what happens to your nature. When you plug into the power source, what's going to happen? He's going to energize you. And the Holy Spirit is not just a power source. That's what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons teach that he's just a power force. He's not. He is he. And he fills me to overflow. And he walks with me. And he talks to me. Listen, the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. And he carries you through. The Bible says he's a comforter. You ever been comforted by the Holy Spirit? It says he's a counselor. You ever went to him for great counsel? He says he's a protector. He's a shield. He lives in me and around me. Do you know him today? Do you walk with him today? Do you talk with him today? He's our God. This is a God Paul was confident that he believed in. He said, listen, I'm not worried about this mock trial. Felix, who are you? By the way, Felix, I happen to know that you used to be a slave, son, right? He could have talked like that. It would, if it wasn't by the grace of the Roman government, you wouldn't have a job. Everybody knows about your resume. No education. Slave dog, right? Go down the list. You say, Pastor, how can you talk like that? Because I told you, this church has a junkyard dog for a preacher, right? Go back and look at my credentials. Not many, not most. But listen, I'm plugged into the power source, to the Holy Spirit who loves me, the Holy Spirit who called me, and the Holy Spirit who gives me and you a purpose for living. I've told you, if somebody says something negative about me, ask my wife or ask me. It's probably worse than they're telling you. Amen? I had to grow up 8th through 12th grade before I joined the military and get out of here. I did some stuff. But don't look at me so piously, because you did too. And you still do. What if your secrets were actually put on the screen today? What if your name came up right there with your sins for this week? Anybody? Anybody so pious? Said, put mine up there. I'll, I'll, I'll stand in the presence of my brothers and God. No, because we want sin always makes us want to hide. Close the door. Close the curtain. Do something in private. Let's finish. Did Felix? Yes, he understood. Felix understood the things Paul confessed. He knew of Jesus and his followers. He chose to adjourn the trial until the commander license, the arresting officer, could attend. He gave Paul some freedom to be visited by his friends. Felix had Paul give his testimony before he and his wife. This is the best part of the sermon. I'm not going to be able to finish. Paul preached about the sins of the flesh, and he preached about holy living. This caused Felix to be afraid and sent Paul away until a more convenient time. This is called the conviction of the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you feel this tugging, this pulling, that you must be saved, you need to be forgiven for your sins. That's the Holy Spirit calling you to say, listen, I am lost and undone. I don't care if you've been a member of this church for 50 years. If you're not a member of the kingdom of heaven, you're not going to heaven. You've got to submit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, give your heart and life to him, and say, Father, I'm sorry for those sins I've committed. I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. I believe in the power of the resurrection. And by that power, I am saved. That's how everyone's saved today. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. Although Paul offered Felix the hope of salvation and eternal life, 
Felix hoped Paul would give him money for a bribe. For two years, he conversed with Paul often. What was the hope Paul had? Paul said, my hope is in God, the God of my fathers. My hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My hope is found only in God alone. The people's hope was, I hope I can come along and lie about what's happened to Paul. I hope I can get stature. I hope I can get some things, some good nature with the, with the leaders. The hope of the leaders was, I want to lie about him, and I hope to have more power with the Roman government. I hope to have more status and more money. And then Felix, he was a wealthy man, and his hope was, hey, give me some skin under the table, right? Just bribe me, and I'll let you go, because this is a, he knew it was a fluke. He knew this was false. He knew there was no accusers. The Jews who accused Paul were not even there. The accusing officer is not there. So there's really no trial, but he kept him in jail because he wanted to appease the Jews. The unbelieving Jews, that is, by the way. What do you think Paul did in prison for two years? I can't believe God put me here. God told me I was going to be here. That's how we did today, right? I'm going to text. Give me my, can somebody give me a tablet? I'm going to text and tell the whole world on Facebook and social media. I want to blog. I want to vlog about how miserable my life is in this prison. And God was not faithful. Any of y'all? I read some of your trash you put out there. Don't invite me to be your friend if you don't want me to read your stuff, right? It comes up in what's called a news feed. Man, some of the stuff we say as Christians, I'm like, stop it. And I don't say anything about you, but I want to put a capitalized S-T-O-P-I-T, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation points. Well, I feel bad. Go to the Word of God. Well, I'm stressed out. Tell the Holy Spirit. Get counsel, get godly counsel. But listen, for all means, by all means, let's stop with the world's ways and let's get it on God's way. Let's do it God's way. Where's your hope today? Are you hoping in something other than God's will? Only you can answer that question. You can even answer that for your spouse or children. Do you have your hope in something as your retirement, your 401k? It's about to go bye-bye real here soon, right? Watch and see. This week, who will you share the no-so hope you have in Jesus if you're a Christian? Who will you share it with? And have you been waiting for a convenient time to receive the free gift of salvation? Don't let today pass you by. If you've never received Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about church attendance. I'm not talking about confirmation. I'm not talking about being baptized as a baby. I'm not talking about water baptism as an adult. I'm talking about have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you confessed to God from your soul to his heart, saying, God, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you forgive me? I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, and I believe you raised him from the dead. And so confessing, the Bible says you have eternal life. That's God's agreement with you. If you will confess your sins, he's faithful and just. He'll meet you there at that place. You don't have to get right with God. You don't have to clean your stuff up. Listen, how clean can you be? You're the one who got yourself in the mess you're in now. Isn't that true? Michael Jackson sang about the man in the mirror, right? That's who messed you up. The woman in the mirror, that's who messed you up. And God says, bring your drunk, bring all your, all your trunk of junk to me. Just bring it to me. And I will clean you up. But he is going to tell you to leave that alcohol behind. Y'all know a lot of people I've seen that used to be members of this church. If you drink alcohol, listen, I told you I think it's liquid devil because it almost led me astray. I believe it's liquid devil. That's what Spurgeon called it. But at the same token, do I come to your house and check your refrigerator? You have a thing called Christian liberties, right? You have the liberty to do things that you want to do. And if it's right or wrong, does alcohol in and of itself, one beer, does that mess you up? 
And young people are surprised to hear me say no. But when a daddy drinks one beer, who is he to tell his daughter or son not to drink four or five? You understand what I'm saying? Your Christian liberty. Paul says don't let your liberty come to the place that it takes others away. Because you might be recovering from alcoholism and, and I'm out to drink and I'm drinking a glass of wine. I've had this happen with me uh, with another brother who was sober for years and he said, how can they possibly drink alcohol when they said that they're Christians? I was like, brother, you need to know Christian liberty. But quickly later, I went to that brother and said, listen, I was with another brother who was not mature yet. They're recovering and said they couldn't believe that you were actually out drinking alcohol in public. So do you have a Christian liberty to drink a beer? Here's the deal. Yes. Up until the Holy Spirit brings a conviction and says, don't do it. I believe I, there's no way a pastor can do it. I told you a couple weeks ago there's a new thing that's uh, been going around for called beer and hymns. God forbid that you'd ever have your first taste of alcohol with the pastor. And there's churches, you know, today that serve alcohol in the communion service. God forbid your child's first taste of alcohol is in the church. Amen? Well, here's what's happening today. Because it's so socially acceptable that people get, effect, uh, they get offended and go, I'm not going back to that church. Who does he think he is telling me? That's called conviction. Because guess what's coming up next? Marijuana's coming up next in South Carolina. Is it okay for deacons at your church, at Town Creek Baptist Church, to smoke a joint with their parishioners? They come over to your house, they want to visit with you because you've been in the hospital, and you just light up a divvy for, for pain, and the deacon smokes the joint with you. Is that okay? No, I'm asking real, because it's coming to a church in town near us. Is that okay? Well, Pastor, we've got to have standards. You know the other thing I found out that people were addicted to in the church? And now I'm meddling, I know, but it's pain medication. People are addicted to prescription medication, and it's killing them. And when the Holy Spirit puts his finger on that, he's like, I cannot get away from this because it's my pain meds. And they run far from the church. I even had a man catch me at the hospital, and he said, you know why my grandmother quit coming to church? Because you talked about being addicted to pain medications, and she is. He said, she said she'd never set foot back in that church again. I didn't solicit that. This person just walked up to my door as I was leaving the hospital. And, but I know it's true because it breaks my heart. But also lists to list out pornography, adultery. Go down those lists that Paul does, and I didn't get a chance to get to it today. Paul does with Felix. He says, listen, let me touch on righteous living. Because the woman that you live with was somebody else's wife. Felix took, him, took her from him. Let me talk about righteous living. Let me talk about self-control, Felix, because Felix was in the nature and habit of killing people when he wanted to because he was governor. Do you understand what God does? If you read that Galatians passage, would you bring it up when I, so we'd have our invitation? God puts his, passage, he puts his finger on this. Paul wrote it again, Galatians chapter 5, when he says these are the fruit of the flesh, but here's the fruit of the Spirit. There's a war going on in our lives every single day. Will you submit to the Spirit? Or you submit to the flesh and sin against God. You have to make that decision. Only you can make that. That's the cool thing about being a Christian and being right with God is you can make that decision. No matter how old you are, no one can stop you. Mom, dad, spouse, no one can stop you. The only person in that conversation is you and God. When you get it right with God, it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. I'm free. And listen, when you know the truth, come on, the truth will set you free. Praise God, he'll set you free. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for today. And I know that this word is powerful. Even though we read it, it's just a testimony of Paul being arrested. And Lord, how can you use a story of arrest 
to tell someone about the love of Jesus Christ, eternal life. Lord, you're you and only you can do that. We can read through the scripture so quick and say, poor Paul. And Paul wouldn't respond, don't poor me. And now I know he's in heaven, standing face to face with you, Lord. And he's receiving the rewards that even he understands he was preaching about back in the day. It was by faith that he preached these messages. But now, Lord, it's by sight that he sees you, the eternal God. How powerful is it to think that we're going to be there in just a few short years, standing face to face with you if we were believers. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room and everyone watching that today would be the day of salvation if people haven't been saved. Father, we as Christians would get right and be bold to live a holy, bold life for Jesus. Lord, let us plug into the power source and let us give this gift away. Here's a gift for you and a gift for you. And Lord, we know you've given a gift to us. Use your word, I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.